The following podcast is an audio message from Harvest Bible Chapel in Rochester, Minnesota. You can find out more by visiting harvestrochester.org. I think we come to worship, I mentioned this last week, I think we come to worship in a lot of different ways, right? We come sometimes uh, broken, empty. We come sometimes full, overflowing. And sometimes we come anywhere in between there, okay? I don't know how you came today, but I want to acknowledge how you came. I want you to acknowledge how you came. Did you come up on a high? God's been answering all my prayers. Uh, you wouldn't believe what's going on in my life. This is amazing. Did you come down and out maybe? I don't know what God's doing, but it isn't good. At least I don't think it's good. And I feel so dry and so empty. I wonder if God would just fill me up. So I came to church today to ask you this question, what fills you? What fills you up? Go ahead, you can answer. I do ask questions on purpose. What fills you? Music. Music. Great. Yeah. Rest. Some quality time with Adam, I'm hoping, or God. What else? Prayer, yeah. I've been filled with prayer this week. Community? Unity? Both? What fills you up? Food? That's frivolous. Fellowship? So much better than food. Giving? Yeah, giving away stuff fills me up. That's interesting, isn't it? You know, we all want to be filled up, don't we? What do you do when you're full? What do you do when you're full? That tells me a lot about who I am, what I do when I'm full. Do I just want more filling? (laughs) Am I like, just fill me up more? Or am I like, I'm full. It's time to pour. I think you're going to see that in the text today. Let's flip over to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, we all want to be full, but what we do when we're full is so very important, and uh, I'm just praying that you'll get filled up today, and not only that you'll be filled up today, but that you'll make a great decision to pour out as God the Holy Spirit fills you up. We'll see today in Acts the powerful filling of the Holy Spirit coming to fill His people, God's people, so that they can do His will, His purpose. Right? And I'm praying, and I want to pray right now that God would fill you up to do what He has for you to do this week. All right? Let's pray. God, uh, just looking around at all the faces of the people here, people that you've brought by your divine power, to this church on this day. Why have you brought them, Lord? Why are they here? What are they seeking? And how will you speak? These are the questions I ask, Lord, because I don't know the answers. But I know you do. I know you know the answers. You know, the answer to every circumstance in their life, 
You know how to shake every mountain that they face. And I pray that you would do that in such a filling way today. You would fill them up and that you would send them out in such a powerful way that we might see glory in the church and reflect it out of our lives as we walk in your strength this week. I pray this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Chapter 2 of Acts, just uh, introduced it last week. If you weren't able to be here for that introductory message, uh, I would just say go listen online. It's a bit long, but it'll be worth your time and really informational um, to get us started into the book of Acts. But I want to continue on, and we have chapter 2 ahead of us today, and I have 100 uh, verses. No, not 100. I was trying to get you, like, nervous. 41 verses, still a lot. 41 verses in front of me today, so I got to get going. So if you're ready to go, say go. All right. Uh, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all gathered in one place. Verse 1. Just let me explain verse 1 to you before I move on. Uh, when the day of Pentecost arrived. Now, you just need to know this. Pentecost means 50. It's the 50th day, okay? So you go, well, what was the first day? Anybody wondering what the first day was? No, okay. Uh, can I move on then? Okay, you'd like to know. All right, good. Because this is why it takes more time. Because would you like to know what the 50th day is? It's Pentecost. Would you like to know what the first day is? All right, it's, it's the Feast of First Fruits. It's the Sabbath day. No matter if it falls on the middle of the week or any, any day, right? It just happened to fall not on Saturday, which was their Sabbath day, but on Sunday, which is our Easter because it was the day that Christ rose from the dead. Now, following the Feast of Firstfruits is the Feast of Weeks. They call it the Feast of Weeks because it's seven days, but it's seven times seven, which is how many days? 49. Good. You guys are good at math. All right. So 49. So 49 takes you through the Saturday before the day of Pentecost, which is again a Sunday. And this is why we worship on Sunday, because not only did Christ raise on Sunday, but the church originated on Sunday on the day of Pentecost, the 50th day. Does that make sense? That's why we do what we do. All right. Glad that you're here in the church of the, uh, or in God's house today at church. And uh, they were all together in one place, all together, all over Acts, all together, all together, all together, all together. There was a lot of unity going around. There wasn't a lot of division and a lot of unity going on, and uh, they were all together. And we've been all together, at least a lot of us have been all together in prayer um, every night this week at 7 o'clock, and it's been a sweet time. And if you haven't been able to come to that, I just want to invite you to that sweet time tonight, tomorrow, and the next night, okay, through Tuesday Every night, 7 o'clock. I'm dead serious. I'm as serious as a heart attack right now. If you have not experienced this, one, we haven't been all together, <laughs> and two, you don't know what you're missing. And so I would just ask you to come 7 o'clock, one of the next three nights, and I still have as a goal, we haven't hit it yet, but 120 people. Closest we got was about 90, okay? And that's a lot of fun in a little off, dinky office off of 37th Street, to see 90 people calling out, crying out to God. You should have been there. It was amazing, all right? But you can be there, and I'm expecting we'll get close to 120 the next several days, all right? 
And so please come, and maybe that will help us be uh, 10 days of prayer, 120 people all together. All right, now this. Verse 2. And suddenly, what was it? So was it fast? Yeah, I think it was fast. Like immediately? Like in a twinkling of the eye? It's just like, boom! <laughs> suddenly, there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. It wasn't wind, but it was a sound like mighty rushing wind. And it filled, I would ask you to circle that word filled. It filled the entire house. What filled the entire house? Uh, it was actually the sound. The sound filled the mighty. It was a trick question, sorry. I just knew that you would say mighty rushing wind, which actually it's the sound uh, that filled the house. Where they were sitting, they were sitting. We're all sitting. Man, God, do this. Some loud noise, please. And divided tongues as of fire appeared so they could see something was different, appeared to them and rested on each one of them all of them got it. And they were all filled. There's that word filled again. I'm asking you, everyone who's cool circles in their Bible the word filled. Are you cool? If you're not cool, maybe you could just ask your neighbor if they would be doubly cool and circle it in your Bible. All right? All right, circle the word filled. It's a key word in the book of Acts and it's what we're talking about today, filled up, to pour out. That's the title of the message, filled. But what they were filled with is so important, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I'm going to stop right there. The first point of the message is the Holy Spirit comes in power to fill us. Did you know that? Everybody wants to be filled but what you get filled with matters. And what they got filled with and what we long to be filled with is the most important thing. It is the Holy Spirit. And it has such power as it's working in and through us. The Holy Spirit comes, bam, in power to fill us. Now, here's where it gets a little hokey. This is a one-time event. This happened one time in history. This hasn't happened again since. All right? Does that make sense? Like, if I said to you, let's go back and redo the Garden of Eden, you'd be like, you're a moron. Right? Wouldn't you? No, let's not redo that. All right? And if I said to you, let's go back and redo the Red Sea, let's go down to the Mississippi, and I'll just bring my big stick, and I'll just slap the water, and let's just see it divide, and let's go, whoa, and walk across on dry land. You'd be like, you are outside your mind, you are insane. And if I said, let's go back to Bethlehem and see if we can do that baby thing again, you'd be like, that ain't happening, there's one God, it's Jesus, he came, he went, it's done, Right? And if I said to you, let's go to the crucifixion and let's put Jesus right back on the cross, you'd go, that's gruesome. I don't want to do that again. All right? Like once was enough. But how come everybody wants Acts 2 again? We're all like, dude, we just got to, the church just got to get back to Acts 2. We just got to get back to Acts 2. We just got to do that thing again. That is messed up. 
And we need to stop thinking that way, right? This thing happened so that we would know, right, the church is here, and we are the church, and we need to walk in the strength that we have as being the church. It's a one-time event. Uh, flip this up on the screen, uh, this chart. Uh, uh, this is transitional, okay? This is, w- the book of Acts is transitional. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was temporary. You know how it came on Samson? And then when he cut his hair, it left. And then all of a sudden, Samson said, give me the Holy Spirit one more time. And then he broke the walls and he, to his death, right? And then Gideon. In the power of the Holy Spirit, he did this thing, right? 300 people over tons of people, and they win this big roar. And Saul, even Saul, right? Half-hearted as he was, the Holy Spirit was on him. And then the God said, I took the Holy Spirit from him. And David prayed, didn't he? In Psalm 51, a prayer I like to pray after I sin and say, get back to this, right? Create a clean heart in me. But, but what's the prayer say? Take not your Holy Spirit from me. You can stop praying that prayer because it isn't happening because, see, we're in the New Testament. You see, Jesus Christ went back. He ascended. That was last week. And the Holy Spirit at Pentecost now, 50 days later, or 10 days later, okay, 40, 10, yep, okay, 10 days later comes and the church is initiated and now the Holy Spirit indwells all believers. So I'm just going to say to you, If you don't have the Holy Spirit, if you don't feel the Holy Spirit, if you haven't seen any evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life, you should tremble in fear at the fact that whatever you're counting on for salvation might be, could be, I'm not saying it is, a lie. That somebody told you this is what saves you, but that's not what the Bible says. Do you understand? Everybody say, I understand. Okay? So I think a lot of us as church people, myself included, think that, I'm saved, and I might be, because faith saves us, and faith alone, right? Faith in God, faith in Christ, dying on the cross, paying the payment for my sin, and cleansing me from all unrighteousness. But you know, at that moment, what happens? The Holy Spirit indwells you. And if you haven't seen any evidence of that, go back and check the faith, right? Go back and check what really happened here. That's all I'm going to say about that. This chart, really clear. Now the Holy Spirit is indwelling us. Let's not forget that, okay? Supernaturally uh, indwelling us. And it's a one-time event here uh, in this Bible and, 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 or in, in our story. And now it's a one-time event in your life when the Holy Spirit baptizes you at the moment of salvation. And of course, what happens after that? We're sinners, right? So we sin. Can the Holy Spirit stand sin? Can God himself, who's inside of you, stand sin? No. So what are you doing? Grieving the Holy Spirit? You're quenching the Holy Spirit? This is why we talk about many fillings. One baptism at salvation, we talk about many fillings. Why would I need to be filled up again? The Holy Spirit's inside of me. He's dwelling me. Yeah, but you like pushed him into this little hallway closet, and he isn't controlling your house. You understand? He's like maybe in your little toe, Right? if you want to just get physical with the illustration. Like you've totally marginalized the thing. He's hardly got a voice in you, and that's why you need to be filled again today. 
as you come to church. Do you understand? All right. Just trying to be really clear about what's going on here in the Word of God. So the Acts is transitional. The Old Testament, he came and went, the Holy Spirit. But now in the believers, he permanently indwells, he fills us. Now, this is Harvest Bible Chapel, or I would just scoot by right now because it'd be a lot easier. But there are two doctrinal issues right here, and I just have to hit on them just quick, okay? I'm not going to solve those doctrinal issues. I just want to bring them up so it's the elephant in the room. Everybody's thinking these things, right? Here are the two doctrinal issues. I'm just going to touch on them real quick, and then we'll keep moving on. Everybody good with that? Okay, good. A few people are good with that. I'm really good with that, so let's go. Okay, it'll keep coming up, so we'll handle these as we go, as, as, as this comes. But uh, the first question is, when does the baptism of the Holy Spirit occur? I've kind of let that truth out of the box, what I believe. But, but there are some people that believe differently than me. There are some people that are like, the apostles were saved, and they received the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, so this is a second thing after salvation that you received the Holy Spirit, Right? And they want to say we're all supposed to be like the apostles. But just flip over in your Bible to verse 38. Just flip over to verse 38. Let me read it. He says, uh, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So, for the apostles... They saved before, great, awesome. God breathed the Spirit on them before, but now they're immersed in the Spirit at Pentecost. It was something different for them, a first-time occurrence for them, an only-time occurrence for them. But for these 3,000 people, I think we could, we could be equated with the 3,000. They got that at the moment of salvation. So, but there's some people that think we're like the apostles, and there's some people that think we're like the 3,000. We're a church that believes we're the 3,000. Right? We're disciples of Jesus Christ. We're not the apostles. The apostles were foundational for the church, right? And laid on that foundation of Jesus Christ and the apostles and the prophets. Now we are believers. We are not apostles, okay? Does that make sense? So I, I, I just really want to be clear on this, that we believe that you get the Holy Spirit when you're saved by faith and faith alone. The Holy Spirit comes into you and indwells you, and there's no second experience needed. Now, what happens is these other people... Um, they, 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 they say this, and then people like us, we get frustrated, right? Have you ever been frustrated? Why don't I have you, God? I mean, I was saved when I was 17, and I don't want to tell you how many times I've asked for the Holy Spirit to come fill me since then, right? It's, it's shameful, because knowing the truth sets you free. You don't have to be frustrated. You can just confess your sins Okay, to the Lord, and he will then again embrace you and fill you, right? Immediately. Let's go. Right? It's not like, oh, where's the tongues of fire? Where's the where's the lights and glitz and uh, where's the healings on demand? Where really? It says here, they began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. It's the Spirit that gives you this thing. There's nothing on demand here right? That gets me to the second question. The second question is, what is the gift of tongues? We're here in Acts 2. It's a known language. You'll see it in a couple minutes as I read it. They are speaking in a dialect, is the word in Greek. They're speaking it in such a clear dialect tone. They're saying it with the same accent. Everybody understands, even though they've never spoken that language before. It's, it's clear, right? But then in 
1 Corinthians 12 through 14, it talks about tongues, and it seems to be more of a prayer language, right? So there's some difference here between what is speaking in tongues. And again, elephant in the room, I'm just bringing this up. I'm not going to solve all this, but I would just say this. Should everyone speak in tongues? The answer is no, right? It's not the gift you get when you receive the Holy Spirit. It's a gift that you might get when you receive the Holy Spirit, okay? That frees me up because I've never spoken in tongues, even though I've asked God for that. I should probably stop. God's given me what he's given me, right? God's given what he's given me. says, desire the best gifts. You go read that in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Second, it's first Corinthians chapter 12. Perfect. Awesome. And, uh, and then, is it a proof of your salvation then? Do you have to speak in tongues? Because if you don't speak in tongues, you're not saved. For sure you're not saved, Ryan, because I've never heard you speak in tongues. So I'm really doubting your salvation right now. Is it a proof? No. But see, people that believe that you have to have the second experience say if you don't have the second experience, you're not saved. And that is false. Now, I want to be very clear what my heart is. I've told you what I believe. But let me say this, here at Harvest, we believe that on the majors, conviction. On the minors, and this would be a minor, right? On the minors, I'm not saying the indwelling of the Holy Spirit's a minor. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one spirit, right? right? I'm not saying that's a minor. Every believer needs to believe in the indwelling, permanent indwelling of the Holy Spirit, Okay, but when that happens, how many times that happens, <laughs> okay, that we can agree to disagree on. And in the minors, tolerance. In all things, love. That's why chapter 13 is right there in between 12 and 14 of 1 Corinthians. On the major's conviction, you got to be indwelled with the Holy Spirit or you're not saved, <laughs> okay? On the minors, tolerance. We can agree to disagree about that right? And all things love. Can we choose love on this? Can we choose love? All right. But this issue is very divisive, and if people want to dictate their own agenda and make it a major, then we have problems in the church, and it causes division in the church. That's why we've asked people in our church, this is a minor, treat it as such. Stop making a major in your small group. Stop making a major at the church. If it's a major to you, this isn't the right place for you, right? So that's why we've been where we've been. Let's keep moving. Verses 12, uh, 5 through 11. Now, there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men. They were devout Jews from every nation under heaven. He's saying from across the lands. And at the sound, the multitude came together. Must have been a big sound. <clears throat> And they were bewildered. That's kind of a fun word to say. Go ahead. I mean, they were just bewildered. I mean, that's crazy. <laughs> it's like disconshiveled or something. I don't know. It's bewildered. They're just like, we don't know what's going on. What's going on? We're confused. Okay? Because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. They're like, hold on. These guys don't speak this language, but I'm hearing it. And they were amazed and astonished, saying... Are not all of these that are speaking Galileans? Look, they're dressed like Galileans, but they're speaking like me. I'm confused. And how is it that we hear each of us, I mean all of us, 
in his own native language, that's the word dialect there, then he's going to list them. On a screen you'll see them. Parthians from Iran, modern-day Iran. Medes from modern-day Turkey. Elamites from Iran again. And residents of Mesopotamia, that's modern-day Iraq. Judea, that's southern Israel right now. And Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Pergia, and Pamphylia. Asia doesn't mean our uh, continent of Asia. It's, it was actually part of Turkey, modern-day Turkey, all of those five. Egypt, we know where Egypt is. That hasn't changed. And parts of Libya, that's there still, belonging to Cyrene. So a certain part of Libya, Cyrene. And visitors from Rome, that's way over there, both Jews and proselytes. So we have Jews, and he mentioned those at the top, but now he's like, hold on, but we've had some people that are devout, but they've, they're Gentiles, they've converted to Judaism. How do they convert to Judaism? Okay, there's a bunch of rituals, right? But, but one was baptism, all right? So that's just a little relation to you. And then Cretans, those are from the Isle of Crete. They had to get there by boat because they weren't walking on water. And Arabians, which are from Saudi, uh, Saudi Arabia or Jordan even, and... Uh, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. I thought we might just try this right now. Would you guys like to try this? Okay, so this section. Go ahead, flip over in your Bible. Go ahead, Exodus 15, verse 11. Go ahead, flip your Bible over. You just keep your finger in there. Exodus 15, 11. Flip over to that, okay? This section right here, I want you guys to flip over to Psalm 40, verse 5. Psalm 40, verse 5. Go ahead, flip, your, flip in your Bible, Psalm 40, verse 5. All right, and then you guys over here, Flip in your Bible to Psalm 107, 107, and I want you to read verses 21 and 22, okay? Exodus 15, 11. You guys got it? All right. Psalm 40, verse 5. You guys got it? All right. And, and you guys got Psalm 107, verse 21 and 22. You got it? All right. Now, hey, here's the deal. I'm not trying to reproduce this, but this is what happened, and I want you to kind of get an idea of how... Uh, crazy it might have been and where the confusion might have came from, okay? Um, because they, were all, they weren't they were being witnesses to the gospel. The gospel's coming. But this was them just going, God, you're awesome. God, you're awesome. Praising God. They're just praising God, right? And they're all like, well, these guys are praising God. The mighty works of God, right? All right, so we'll all read at the same time. I'm going to read from uh, Psalm 77. So let's just all read together. Go. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all the work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O oh God, is holy. What God is great like our God? I mean, this is what they were doing. They were praising the name of God. They were all lifting up their voice and saying, God is awesome. He's the only one that is. And all these people are like, I'm hearing you say the things you're saying looking like you look as Galileans, but I'm hearing you in my own language. Perfectly. You speak like my dad. It's amazing. And that is a miracle. That is a flat-out miracle right before our eyes. Back to Acts chapter 2. What does this mean is the next thing. It says... And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? And others, mocking, said, 
They are filled. There's our word again. You might circle that. They are filled with new wine. What were they filled with? Were they filled with new wine? They must have been drinking. They must have been drinking something, but they were drinking the Holy Spirit, right? I mean, they were like filled up. And this doesn't come because you want it to, right? This comes because he wants it to. And they were just, boom, filled up with the Holy Spirit. And I just got to say this. What does this mean? Well, this means different things to different people. You see some of them going, I'm confused. What's going on? And asking the question. Then you see some of them going, I know the answers. I got all the answers. They're just drunk. That's all they're doing. They're just drinking. They just got started early and they're just off their rocker. Yeah, that's why they're speaking an intelligent language that they don't know. I mean, figure it out. But some people don't want to figure it out. Some people that hear my voice right now want to know what they know and only what they know. Don't want to be told to know anything different, even if it is the truth. I want to continue to believe that two plus two equals three. Because I believe it. And that's all that matters. They're drunk with wine, right? But now listen. Listen to reason. Listen to the facts. Listen to who do you think is going to talk next? Well, look at it, verse 14. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Hey, is it any surprise to us that Peter's going to talk first? I don't think so. Peter's like, hey, 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 I hear you mumbling over there that we're drunk. Let me talk to you about that, all right? Let me yell at you a while. Come over here, all right? Like, let's just get this straight right now. You, you could say a lot of things, but you can't say that this isn't the Holy Spirit. We're going to get this straight right now. And Peter, who's a believer, responds in one way, and unbelievers respond in different ways. So people respond in different ways. So here's the second point. Believers respond by pouring out the gospel. Believers respond by pouring out the gospel. Peter, in the first message of the church, you wanted to be there for that message. The first message ever in the church, 23 verses, you say, that's a pretty short message. That's what you're thinking right now. 23 verses? Man, I could do that. Like if you did that, Steve, why don't you just read that every week, and we'll go home early. Hey, 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 look at verse 40. Smart guy. Look at verse 40. And with many other words, check, 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 Steve Diedrich preaching, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. And I'm here today saying, don't go with the world. Get the truth of Jesus Christ and let it capture your heart and let it fill your soul today. Peter preached a 23-verse sermon, which I am going to read for you now, and it's really three points, and the third point has three sub-points, so I have to hustle. Here it is. First point of the message, and the message title was Three Reasons Why I Believe Jesus is God and You Should Too. I'm going to give you three reasons, Peter says, that I believe Jesus is God and you should too. Stop saying we're drunk and start saying God's awesome, all right? And he gets after it. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, 
Let this be known to you and give ear to my words, for these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day, translation, 9 a.m. in the morning. And in the Jewish culture, they haven't even eaten yet, right? Like, we eat pretty early. They haven't even eaten yet. They're still like, dude, we haven't drank anything because we haven't eaten anything yet. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. That's Joel 2, 28 through 32. I'm going to read it for you. You can write that in your margin so you know where it's found. And in the last days, are we in the last days? Yes. But he's saying they're in the last days. So they must have been in the beginning of the last days since we're in the last of the last days, huh? I mean, it's been a while. So, so we're still in the last days. In the last days, in it, it shall be, God declares, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Now, I just got to say something about all flesh. That is not... I mean, if you don't know Jesus Christ, has the Holy Spirit been poured out on you? No, no, he's not. All right, so that's not all flesh without exception, but that means all flesh without distinction, and he's going to describe that. It doesn't matter your gender, okay? It doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter your economic status. He's going to explain it for you right here in the text. It doesn't matter who you are. Jesus is for you. The Spirit can be poured out on you in your life today. You can be filled up like you've never been filled up today. All right? I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh, and your sons and daughters, gender, shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall see dreams, age, even on your male servants and female servants, status. (laughs) Doesn't matter who you are. No respecter of persons here. It's not, listen up, priests. It's not about wearing a cool getup and having taluses around your, your skirt and, you know, having, like, things strewn over you and pomp and circumstance and acting all cool. This is probably why I wear what I wear and ask you to call me Steve rather than pastor because it's not about status. And any church that makes it about status is wrong. It's not about status. It's only about your standing in Jesus Christ. That's what I'm asking you about today. And in those days I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in heavens above. Some people say that refers to Jesus and signs on earth to below that that was the cosmic things that happened on the cross. And I'm just saying this is a touchdown fulfillment, all right? Uh, You know, it's not finished yet. Jesus is coming back. You're going to see the rest of this prophecy fulfilled later when he does come back. And blood and fire and smoke, a vapor of smoke, and sun shall be turned to darkness. That will happen at the tribulation. And the moon to blood. Before the day of the Lord comes, do you see that? Before, before the day of the Lord comes, before Jesus Christ comes back, all this is going to happen. That's called the tribulation. Great and magnificent day. And then he kind of gives this reprise right here. Uh, Verse 21, this is really important to the message. I hope that it will penetrate your heart as I read it. And it shall come to pass, and it could come to pass today, that everyone... And by that means anyone, no matter your age or gender or status, who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He preached the gospel. 
And this is how he preached it. His first point was prophecy fulfilled. Prophecy fulfilled. I gave out this sheet in church a while back. Uh, um, this is a bunch of prophecies that were fulfilled. There's, there's about 2,500 prof- prophecies in the Old Testament, and uh, 2,000 of them have already been fulfilled. We're just waiting for the other 500. How about that? All right? But, but here's some that have been fulfilled. Uh, Jesus was to be born of a virgin. He was. Uh, he was to be born in Bethlehem. He was. He was to enter Jerusalem on a donkey. He did. He was to be sold for 30 pieces of silver. He was. He was silent before his accusers, wounded and bruised. He was crucified with thieves. He, was prayed, uh, he prayed for his enemies. He, re- he was rejected by his own people, and he was buried in a rich man's tomb. That's just 10 off of the sheet of 60. That's just 10. And here's the thing. You take the top 13 prophecies, and they say that the chances of that happening and being fulfilled by one person is 10 to the power of 138. Say, I do not know how big that is. You absolutely do not know, and I don't either. But I'm going to try to get it to you this way, okay? So uh, on reasons.org, they always are like coming up with these things, and here's one of them, okay? Scientists say the chances of, has anybody started a car lately? You turned your car engine over? Anybody? You guys drive a car, right? All right, you guys over there don't drive a car or what? Like you didn't, you, I don't know how you got here. Did you, like, it's like Fred and Wilma style or what? Like you're running or what? Like I don't know about that. Like you turned the car on, raise your hand, okay? I mean, it's easy, all right? So anybody turn your car on? Yeah, okay, yeah, I started. Okay, the chances of, scientists say, the chances of, what happens there is combustion, right? So, so you turn it on, there's a spark and then flame and then the engine starts, right? The chances of that happening just one time and instead of the reaction being spark to fire, instead of the action being that, the, the, the engine would freeze into a solid black of ice. Anybody had that happen to them? Nobody? All right. Me neither. All right. So the chances of that are 10 to the 80th power. That's never happening. The chances of 13 prophecies, which have the major 13. I mean, I have 60 written down on a card. 1 to 138th power. 10, 10 to the 138th power. I mean, it's just asking. This is not by chance. Prophecies fulfilled in the Old Testament, prophecies fulfilled now in the New Testament, is one of the biggest baddest proofs that Jesus Christ is the Son of God you'll ever get. And if you don't believe me, study the Old Testament and try to disprove it. Okay? Study all the prophecies. Uh, actually, if you, don't, if you don't believe it, just come up to me. I'll give you this card. You can have it, all right? And you can study all of these and look for yourself. Okay? All right? I just want you to believe that Jesus Christ is God's Son. He is and salvation is for everyone. Here's the second point. Miracles performed. Verse 22. Miracles performed. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, just to make sure he's the man, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst. As you yourselves know. He's like, dude, this guy's been doing miracles and you've seen him. And you heard about him and you know him. And you want to know what's interesting? Nobody stands up and says, now wait a stinking second here. 
I was at the feeding 5,000. They had coolers behind the hill. They had sandwiches from Jimmy John's, and they just like, real quick, they made them all up. I was there when Lazarus was risen from the dead. Uh, I'm still trying to figure that one out, but I'll get back to you. I mean, like, nobody was refuting them. Miracles performed, one of the greatest attestments to Jesus Christ being uh, the Lord and Savior, the Messiah, who came to seek and to save the lost. Three reasons why I believe Jesus is the Son of God, and you should too. Fulfillment of prophecy, miracles performed, and this, maybe the best argument. I don't know what order he put these in, but this is, this is definitely the crescendo. Grave emptied. The grave is empty, all right? I mean, he's not there anymore. Go check. You want to walk over there with me? Let's go, check. Let's go see it, right? The grave is emptied. Let me just read this quickly. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. God knew, God was not surprised that Jesus Christ died. This wasn't like a, whoops, guess we got to come up with a different plan. This was the plan. Jesus was always going to suffer and die. He was always coming to save you from your sins. You crucified and killed. That's got to cut a little bit. These guys could have been like, I didn't kill him. I wasn't there. I didn't drive the nails. It wasn't me. I was out of town that day. But you see, we all need to know and I hope you do know that you were there that day when Jesus died. Your sin was the thing that placed him on the cross. Your pride in this moment of telling me you, you don't even have a clue. I wasn't there. Your pride right now in saying that back to me in your spirit is proof <laughs> that you're a sinner and that you need to be saved by the grace of God. Because your sin, Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You don't add up to God's glory. No one can. It's only in the righteousness of Christ. And we, our sin, my sin, your sin, it's hard to hear, but it's true. It put him on the cross. It held him on the cross. It nailed him to the cross. It's why he came to die. You killed, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. Yes, somebody was there to do it, but it was my sin. And God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, this is from Psalm 16, 8 through 11, I saw the Lord before me, for he is at my right hand, that I may not be shaken. Who's talking exactly? Is that David talking? That's not David talking. That's Jesus. That's the Holy Spirit putting the words of Christ into David's pen and writing it down on paper. This is what Jesus is saying. Therefore, my heart was glad. Jesus went to the cross gratefully, gladly, and my tongue rejoiced, and my flesh also will dwell in hope. He wasn't lacking hope on the cross. For you will not abandon my soul to Hades, that's the grave, or let your Holy One, do you see the capital letters there? Holy One, Jesus Christ, see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full with gladness and your presence. Brothers, 
Let me state my point, grave emptied. I may say to you with confidence that the patriarch David, about the patriarch David, that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. You want to go to the tomb of David? I'll take you right now. That's what he says. Being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would uh, set one of his descendants on the throne. Who's that descendant going to be? Jesus Christ. He foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, to the grave, nor did his flesh see corruption. Jesus died, but he didn't rot. He was raised to life. This Jesus, God raised up, and of this we are all witnesses. You could testify to it just like I can, he says. Y'all know it's true. Y'all know it's true. There is unrefutable evidence. Prophecy fulfilled. Miracles performed. Grave emptied. Let's go right now. I'll show you. This is the truth. And he gives it to him. And he gives it to him in such a loving but firm way. Hey, you killed him. Look at how he closes this. He says, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out. Do you know that God the Father gave Jesus Christ the promise of the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ poured it out on us? It says it right there. The promise of the Holy Spirit he has poured out on us. On this that you yourself are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into heaven. But he himself says, the Lord said to my Lord, God, Jesus, sit at my right hand until I make my enemies your footstool. There they are, enemies defeated, disciples empowered, Jesus resurrected. Here's the close of the message. It's really powerful. Here it is. You ready? This is the conclusion. Let all the house of Israel, therefore, hey, because I've said all this, let all the house of Israel, everybody, everybody hearing my voice right now, are you hearing my voice? Listen, know for sure, you can be certain, that God has made him both Lord and Christ, both Master and Messiah, this Jesus whom you crucified. You know what? You killed him. And you all been waiting for the Messiah, but you killed him. He's your Master, and you killed him. He's your Messiah, and you killed him. You didn't miss him. He came and you killed him. You shouldn't be looking for him still. You shouldn't walk out of this building and go, I need some help for my problems. You got it. It's here. It's right here in front of you. Don't walk out and go, man, I need something today. I need to be filled with something else. Like, no, no, no. It's here. What you need is here. It's right here. And so unbelievers, and if you've never been filled with this Holy Spirit, to pour out the gospel, then you must be an unbeliever. Unbelievers, number three, respond by repenting and being baptized. That is my prayer for you today. That you would respond. Like, I'm not an unbeliever. I believe the Bible's true. But do you believe that Jesus Christ is God? That he became a man and died on the cross a gruesome death 
Because the Old Testament shows a lamb needs to be sacrificed for sin. The New Testament shows he is the lamb of God that was slain for the sins of the world. He was slain. And his blood will cover your sin. Do you believe that? Like, you're going to pour blood over me? No, I'm not going to pour blood over you. This is a spiritual thing. Right? This is a spiritual thing. You are washed clean by the blood of the lamb. Then you go get in the tank and we wash you ceremonially, right? Uh, symbolically in a thing of obedience, right? We wash you of your old sins. We bring you up raised to newness of life. This is a symbol for the things that God has already done through the power of his Holy Spirit at the moment you believe. So let me ask you, as I read this next part, <laughs> how they must have felt in that moment. What, we missed the Messiah? What, we, ki we killed him? He's, he's came and gone? We've been waiting for him for years. All the prophecy fulfilled? Look at their response, verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. Cut to the heart. You know what that means? It means they were taken apart by it. They were laid out like a punch to the gut. They were stunned. Maybe you're here today and you're stunned by what you're hearing. For the first time, you're like, the wind's out of my lungs. I can hardly breathe. If Christ came back, if I died today, I'm in trouble. That's what they knew. They were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Tell us what to do. I'm so glad for the word of God, how clear it is. The response Peter said to them, Repent. That's the first thing you do. You admit that you're a sinner. You confess your sin and you turn from it. This is not just a change in behavior, conduct. This is a change in mind. I don't want that anymore. I want you, God. Repent and be baptized. Baptism is a symbol of what's happening inside of you, and that happens outside of you, and it happens immediately. Get it done. If you're not baptized, <laughs> I don't know how to say it. Hardly saved, I guess, is how I'd say it. Disobediently saved, for sure. I mean, it's clear. It's right here. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. You came in here today filled with sin, and you can leave here emptied of your sin and filled with the Holy Spirit today. That is a miracle. That is a flat-out miracle, and I would accept it if I was you. And you will receive, matter of fact, I am going to accept it today because I'm a sinner saved by grace. Let me just stop right there. I am going to accept that today and be filled again and emptied of my own sin. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says this clearly, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You want to know how to be saved? Confess with your mouth. Believe in your heart. With the heart, one believes, 
and with the mouth, one confesses. You believe here, you confess it there, right? I want to give you an opportunity to do that. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. I want you to just kind of think about this to yourself in your moment. In this moment, if you would bow your head and uh, think about, have you ever given your life to Christ, to Jesus, all of it, all the sin, sin of unforgiveness, sin of pride, whatever your sin may be, all we have sinned fall short. Have you ever embraced Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Have you admitted sin? Do you believe that Jesus Christ has paid the debt? Have you confessed Jesus Christ as your Lord? If you're here today, and you can hear me, and you know the truth, if you leave today, and out on Broadway something tragic happens, are you ready for eternity? That's what I'm asking you. Are you ready to meet your master, your Lord, your Savior, Jesus Christ, face to face. If you're not ready, you can be ready. Don't roll the dice on this. You need to know for sure. If you're not sure, if you're wrestling with it, be sure today. I'm going to make it really simple. If you're a sinner, confess your sin. Admit you're a sinner. If you believe, say you believe. I believe Jesus Christ died for my sins, that he paid the price for me. I need him. And will you confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? So if you feel that way, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet and confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior right now. If you're willing to admit that you're a sinner, if you're willing to believe that Jesus Christ died to pay your uh, penalty for sin, and you're willing to confess him as Lord, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet right now. Amen. Don't stand if you're not willing to do it. might just say, I confess Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. Go ahead, lift your voice. I confess Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. We're in church. We need to go out and do this in the world. I confess Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. I do. He is. He paid my debt. I confess Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. I do. He is. And that fills me up to pour out this week. Let's pray. God, thank you for all that you've done, for all that you've given. Thank you for the powerful reply, response of the believers in this room. I pray for if anyone here is an unbeliever. God, unbelievers have a second option. I didn't really talk about it, and that is to walk away. There were some that said these people were drunk with wine, and they didn't believe. But there were 3,000 there that believed. 
And God, we thank you for the great response here. And we're also aware that many more need the gospel. Do not let anyone walk away today. I pray in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.